Welcome back. We're back again like we never left. I'm Danny Meehan. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Meehan, M-E-E-H-A-N is in Nicholas, the numerals 9-0. And I am joined, as usual, on the Lunch Lunch Pail draft cast, as it were, because, you know, words are hard today, by my friend (laughs) and the lead draft draft analyst at Windy City Gridiron, Jacob Infante. Infante, good God, my... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, <laughs> say hello to the people, Jacob, while I just go stroke out in the corner, apparently. <laughs> it has been an interesting way to start the show. Uh, <laughs> we had some issues with my audio and now some uh, little mental uh, brain fart, I guess. I don't know. We're trying our best. We're See, there it is. That's yeah. just the show tagline. We're trying our absolute best. <laughs> uh, I, w- I wasn't expecting that to come in so early in the show but here we are uh, <laughs> dude what was that on my part oh my god <laughs> I oh, wish god. for our few, few for, for our loyal listeners you know or our growing loyal listener base whatever you want to call it I am sorry <laughs> there's just no good way to <laughs> no good way to say that and you know any self-respecting you know, a podcaster would just flat out delete it and do it again because we're a whole maybe minute into the show. But I'm not self-respecting, and I am a human. So <laughs> I just figure let's do it right. Let's do it as it is. Okay. Yeah. So now today with our second to last day of our, what, five recordings in six days or six recordings in seven days, whatever it's going to be. Oh. Yeah, we are in that final push of the NFL draft uh, preparation stage. I've got my notes finalized. I'll, I believe on Wednesday night, I'll be releasing my final rankings. I don't think I'll release a big board just because I think that's a little too much time consumption, but I can release positional rankings and kind of give a baseline of where I sit after final rankings are fully developed and all my notes are finalized as they are now. I've got that finished up last night at work. Um, So, you know, we haven't covered the most important position in all of sports yet on one of these actual recorded podcasts. We did what we did go over it a little bit on Locker Room app that day we did the live stream. But I guess it's time that we do the do what the people want and give them what they want by doing the quarterback edition of the Lunch Pal Draftcast breakdown. See, that time I didn't stutter. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> we're making I, progress over here. We're, you know, we're going from minor strokeouts to just no strokeouts. It's fine. All right. <laughs> now that we're going to continue to do our best, Jacob, tell the world, who is QB1? Because I know you're probably mm. going to ruffle some feathers. That's, that's just, if yeah. I had to guess. Yeah, I have an extremely controversial take. I know not a lot of people agree with it. Uh, But Trevor Lawrence is my quarterback one out of Clemson. I mean. No. I know. I know, right? Like, I've gotten so much crap for that on social media and writing and everything. I've gotten emails saying, oh, you don't know anything about football. What's wrong with you? For having Trevor Lawrence as my QB one, I can't believe it. But. 
Yeah, I mean, th- this kid's going number one overall. I don't feel like we really have to talk too much about him just because everyone knows Trevor Lawrence at this point. Everyone knows he's going to be a Jaguar. He everyone only knows. lost two stars in college. <laughs> one of them was What's a tight end. <laughs> Wasn't he like insane in high school too? I don't, I don't think he lost. A, a, I don't think he lost a high school start either. If memory serves, so just the quick rundown on Trevor Lawrence, the most decorated, accomplished starter in this draft. Three-year starter out of Clemson, true true junior, started as a true freshman. I believe won the BCS title as a freshman. <sighs> after preceding the likes of Deshaun Watson down there in Clemson, although there may have been a, I want to say like one quarterback in between that didn't he end up transferring to Mizzou? Kelly Bryant. Yeah. Kelly Bryant. Yeah. yeah. So there was, there was a one year gap, but um, you know, it's, it's not much of a debate. Like I, I have seen some people stir the pot a little bit and say it's Zach Wilson, number one, or what have you. I, I think that's just someone trying to be different, all things being equal, because a quarterback, the physical talent caliber of Trevor Lawrence does not come around very often. I mean, I've seen other people throw out the likes of names like Andrew Luck and you know uh, John Elway as like those other transcendent, just unbelievable quarterback talents that have all yeah. come out. So I've he he's in rarefied air now. Him. Yeah, that that's like there's no guarantee any player hits. There's just not, but he's in that rarefied elite quarterback trait air air that as it were to be the next guy that seems almost infallible at the position. Now we can just, let's just go through his checklist. He's, he's still, he's got a great arm. He's, he's a good athlete. (laughs) He wins (laughs) like, I guess the knocks on him would be, I, I have noticed when I watch him, his processor is, it's a, it's a term you'll hear me use to refer to the Ohio state quarterback. Once we get to him, he, he does tend to process. I feel like a tick slow, but, and he's and to also, to be fair, the Clemson offense is not difficult. It's not a difficult offense to run, but, yeah. but he, but the way he runs it, he's fabulous. He's a really good runner of that offense an orchestrator if you will i guess if i had to nitpick him outside of the the that it's he is thin i think he's like 214 pounds standing six three six four so he's not the most well put together guy and i guess the only reason that concerns me is to my next point that he tends to almost want to get himself involved in the football game in more ways than just throwing the football. Like I've noticed that when he gets hit or he tends to want to initiate contact with someone, cause he wants to feel like he's almost involved in the game. Like he almost needs that, that jump start to say, Hey, it's game time. Let's go play. So that's just my quick rundown of him. I, I, I know yours probably isn't much different because everyone kind of sees, I think the same thing with Trevor Lawrence, but when you have a quarterback of that physical talent, it's kind of hard to not all, say the same, especially with the amount of successes he's had. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you summed it up perfectly. So I'm not going to waste too much time trying to repeat ourselves here, but Trevor Lawrence from his resume to arm talent, uh, just overall accuracy. He pretty much has it all. 
like you said, there's very few overall flaws in him. I mean, sure, he's skinny. I think he can uh, still – he's still working on his full field reads and going through progressions and stuff like that, but I don't think he's bad in that regard. I still think that the upside is huge. The floor is high. I think, obviously, when you're drafting a player, there's no such thing as a surefire good pick because no. there's so much that has to go into, all right, is this a good situation? Is there talent around him? Is this a good scheme fit? Is this person going to actually try? Uh, but I don't really have many of those concerns for Trevor Lawrence. I think at the very least, he's an above average starter in the league at best. He's the type of guy who can win you some Super Bowls. And that's saying a lot considering Jacksonville hasn't necessarily had the best of luck with uh, just overall success. I mean, let's call it like it is over the past 10 years. I mean, they made, the playoffs once and they were really close to making it to the Super Bowl in that AFC championship game against the Patriots, but things fell off hard after that. And now they're back where they were 10 or so years ago. So getting Trevor Lawrence, I think is a great potential reset point and an opportunity for them to really uh, step into gear and to get a true franchise guy. Absolutely. Especially when you start factoring the, the weapons he's going to have like LaVisca Chenault and, Oh, DJ Shark, do 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 do. But <laughs> I mean, it, it, there's just no other consensus. So let's just move on. Uh, the mo the I think the other non-controversial pick because I don't think there's going to be much stirring of the pot. The top two picks. It's going to be. It sounds like it's going to be Zach Wilson, the Brigham Young University quarterback. Um, I actually really enjoyed him as a watch at the quarterback position. I. I'm not as high on him as others are like, and it's not to say, I think he's bad. I just think, I I just think he's being a bit overblown. Like I keep seeing the Pat Mahomes comp for him. And if, sure. If that's what you see, that's what you see. I don't, I see like the good parts of Manziel and Mayfield and one guy. And that's a, that's fine. It, it is what it is. But I, I just have some issues where people always talk about his arm strength. And not that I think he's got a bad arm. He's got a very good arm. I just don't think he has what, like, Trey Lance has or what, or what Trevor Lawrence has. Where he, he, when he flicks his wrist, the ball can go 45, 55 yards, and it doesn't do it with, much, without, with, with like much effort on his part. It's not like he's taking the crow hop and, putting his whole body into it. I'm saying more like if he has to keep the ball 12 feet off the ground on a missile and fully put it 20 yards downfield, it doesn't have that same kind of velocity or pop. Like a guy that can do that, that I'm sure we'll touch on later in the show when we get to our, like our middling tier guys is I think Jamie Newman has that kind of arm where if he wants to put it 25 yards on a rope on the outside hash, he can do that. It's just his, is his tape is its own thing and we'll get there. But his Zach Wilson is very fun, very good quarterback, led a highly successful BYU team this year up until the Coastal Carolina matchup, which was by no fault of his own. That Coastal Carolina defense was something constructed in hell just to make every uh, opposing <laughs> offense's life hell. But I will tell you my favorite thing about Zach Wilson is I love the f- – like some people call them off platform throws. I've always just had a tendency to call them funny body throws. 
and he can just <laughs> yeah. make like it. Do, he doesn't need like a reset, and he's got great in pocket presence, like where he can step up, reset, and you almost need to let him be a backyard quarterback in in some sense. And that's where I think people see the 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 Mahomes thing. I just don't think he has near the physical gifts Mahomes had. So there's my spiel. Yeah, on I'm with you there. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm with you there. I think that I might be a little bit higher on Zach Wilson's arm strength than you are. But, I mean, I do think that you're looking at the top two strongest arms you're looking at, Trevor Lawrence and Trey Lance in this class. Mm -hmm. But I think Zach Wilson is – I think Zach Wilson is third for me in that regard. And you mentioned that arm talent and the ability to throw from different angles Mm -hmm. off-platform on the move. uh, You know, if it's not like a normal – a uh, high quick release point or whatever. Uh, I feel like Zach Wilson has that ability that, you know, again, not to say that Zach Wilson's going to be these guys, but like a Patrick Mahomes, like a Kyler Murray, those are the type of guys who can make those throws. And I think Zach Wilson isn't quite at that level. I mean, Mahomes is a generational QB talent and Kyler Murray is, you know, an, a, a, an ascending star in today's NFL, but I think Zach Wilson, from a pure arm perspective, just that the quick flick of the wrist, how easy he makes the he makes it look when he's throwing the football, and that quick release point that he has. Uh, I, I love watching him play, and mm-hmm. I've seen some comparisons to, again, in terms of that improv skill and that backyard football, like you've been saying, Johnny Manziel. And I know that's going to scare some people off. And I do think Zach Wilson will be a better NFL quarterback than Johnny Mansell. <laughs> That's not exactly time. a high bar. <laughs> it's not, not at all. <laughs> uh, yeah. If we're talking about drafting a guy who's going to be Johnny Mansell, then we're looking like seventh round undrafted talent here, but yeah, yeah no. So I guess long story short, uh, we both have Lawrence at QB one. Is, is Wilson your QB two or no? He is. It's really close for me, and I don't feel super confident in that yet because I – which is weird. (laughs) You don't feel confident two days into the – two days before the draft starts. I'm not confident in that ranking, and we're less than 48 – I know. About about what? Like, it's 4 o'clock Central Standard Time on the Tuesday leading up to the NFL draft, so we're, what, like 52 (laughs) hours from start time or so? So, Something like that, yeah. But I – yeah, I mean, he's QB3 for me. Know. I like but, them both, man. But I also okay. have been of the op- opinion, like, he's QB3, and I I guess you can call him, like, tiers or clouds, whatever you want to use for your marker. I think the first tier of quarterback is is by himself. I think Trevor Lawrence is just the guy by himself. There's no one else there. Then I think there's a secondary yeah. tier of guys that can be franchise quarterbacks and you can win with right now if if things go right and that that guy is standalone for me in Justin Fields and I've been on record on the timeline on this on our live stream I think Justin Fields is literally the number one pick in pretty much any other draft like and I know that's going to become more controversial as time goes on because now we're seeing reports from guys like Benjamin Albright and whatnot who are saying he might fall into the teens, which I just, I don't get like, and I'll die on this Hill. Like if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but there are certain Hills I'll die on that I'm willing to die on. Like I died on the Justin Herbert as QB one last year. I died on Lamar Jackson as QB two in his draft class a few years back. 
Like there's just certain guys when I watch them, I can't get the feeling out of my head that you're going to get a star if you get your hands on him and you get him with the right coaching. Now, is that to say he's going to be? No, there's, there's no such thing as a sure thing. But when I see, when I see Justin Fields, it's, he's 6'2", so he's tall enough. He's 225 pounds, so he's put together. He's a 4'4", flat, 4'4", athlete in that realm. He can make every throw on the football field. Like he, he does tend to struggle a little bit with, I think his, I don't want to say his processor, but his timing on his throws. It's like, because he plays with such good weapons in at Ohio state, it's almost like he holds the ball for a quarter second or half second longer than he needs to. And I think that's, what's messing with people in terms of his, uh, his processor. Whereas the Ohio state offense is weird. Like it's almost like that prime drew Brees before his arm fell off his right shoulder. And drew Brees used to be touchdown or check down. There was really no in between. There was no middle game. And that's kind of how the Ohio state offense is designed. And I, I don't know what really how else to explain that. Does he need time to time? Sure. Every rookie quarterback does, but he's, I also love the way he's wired. Um, in terms of he wanted to play the college football season during the pandemic. He clearly loves football. I just don't get some of the concerns that are coming out. Like, Oh, he's not, he's not entirely that smart. He he's got questionable work ethic. He's, he's this, that, the other, it just seems like a lazy narrative to, to justify over analysis of a guy. And that's not to say he's perfect. He had bad games. I mean, look at their game against Northwestern, for instance, where he threw three interceptions. Like, so there's, there's definitely room for improvement, but I just think we're, overanalyzing the kid for a reason that is just not clear to me unless the league is really scared off by his epilepsy, but with, with proper medication and management of it, it's really a non-issue to me. Yeah. I mean, I'm with Justin Fields. Like, like you're saying all of these narratives I feel like are exactly that over analysis. It happened with Deshaun Watson back in 2017 you have this guy who's successful at the collegiate level, very clearly gifted, accurate, uh, athletic, nice arm. And you take him and try and portray him into something he's not. And yes, he did have his bad games, that Northwestern game. I think the Indiana game. The was, Indiana game, he was not good. Nope. That was a rough one. I remember uh, Jamar Johnson, the safety out of Indiana, who's a guy I like. Uh, <laughs> he just, man. That I can't get that image of Justin Fields throwing that interception to Jamar Johnson in single high coverage out of my head. And that's not even <laughs> entirely to the fault of Fields. It's just how quick Jamar Johnson was able to read that play and how athletic he was. But regardless about Fields, I think that he can do it all, basically. He's accurate. Uh, he's mm-hmm. athletic, strong arm, uh, proven winner at the collegiate level. And I get it. QB wins aren't a thing. Uh but I'm going to admit, maybe there's a little bit of old school in me uh, in that, you know, drafting a quarterback out of college, if they haven't won a lot, then I will be concerned. Uh, that is a slight concern I had about Josh Rosen and one I had about Patrick Mahomes. Uh, so you can tell very clearly uh, differing levels of success right. with that, and, you know, question mark. But, so I guess that would be the perfect segue into the guy that I think is the consensus QB for among most, even though I think a friend of the show, EJ Snyder, I think has Trey Lance QB five in this draft. If I'm, if I'm remembering his rankings, right. If I'm wrong, I, I do apologize to EJ in, in advance, but um, 
I do believe that majority of people, myself included, because of the tantalizing upside of the North Dakota State quarterback, Trey Lance, um, but he is limited in starts. I believe he started, what, 12 or 13 total college games, right? So what's your breakdown on Trey Lance? Yeah, so it's (laughs) – I feel like Trey Lance is as big of a boomer bust prospect as you can get in this class because – He's a one-year starter at the FCS level. I know people tend to overanalyze, overthink about, okay, this is a one-year starting quarterback at, you know, at a Power 5 school. People worried about that with Mitch Trubisky. People worried about that with uh, Cam Newton all the way back in 2011. Uh, but Trey Lance, there are tools to like with him. I think that he is one of the strongest arms in this class, uh, just his natural throwing motion insane velocity behind a lot of his throws uh, and his ability to throw off platform different from Zach Wilson in that I think Wilson is a bit more flexible in his throwing motion, but I do think that Trey Lance has the stronger overall arm and the athletic ability obviously is there. I think he's one of the best rushing quarterbacks I've ever watched. I mean, obviously that's watching like uh Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray. He's not quite as nimble as those guys, but he's still really fast and he's a tough runner. It's not exactly fair to compare compare anyone athletically to those two. Obviously, and mind you, to those people listening, Kyler and Lamar are not similar at all in terms of how they run. Kyler is start unbelievable acceleration. Ky, but but Lamar is Lamar is like Vic on steroids. And I, I, I don't know how to explain that. Like, cause Vic was a hell of an athlete in his own right, but Lamar is just bigger, <laughs> but you know, it, it's hard to disagree with you much on Lance. I know some people think he's more developed than a lot. And I, and I do appreciate that he does make his own line calls and things like that. Like that's a big step, but the guy, I think between high school so in high school, he, he attempted a whole 113 passes. In college, not including the one game he started in 2020, he attempted not even 300 passes. So say he threw 30 passes. So between those two, he barely is touching or is even just under the 400 pass attempt threshold that so many people like tend to base off of. And you're t- talking about high school with college. That's yeah, absolutely terrifying. And and I'm not sitting here <laughs> saying I wouldn't take it because the physical acumen and the ability that he has is unbelievable. He's so physically gifted, but yeah. I just, I don't know what to make of him. And I, I, speaking from a Bears fan standpoint, would I be supportive of the pick? Absolutely. I'm going to support my team regardless, but would I be a fan of that pick? Support versus fandom are two different things. And just my evaluation, I, I would just hope you have to, the wherewithal to give him the time he needs. Because even with his mechanics being better than some people are alluding to, and his his footwork is there, and he's he's got this physical these physical gifts, he still needs time. Because you're talking yeah. about a kid who went from not even a powerhouse high school to the FCS, and he the only big the big time schools that recruited him, like Minnesota, for instance, they recruited him as a safety. They didn't even recruit him as a, as a quarterback. So he's going to require yeah. time and development. And I know it's going to upset some people when they hear that. And I'm not saying I dislike him. I'm just saying he needs time because he's just a ball of clay. So 
And then I guess yeah. to segue again, that leads you into your next sort of player who is kind of the antithesis of that. And that's Mac Jones. And he's I pretty much once you get out of those tiers, like I think I would qualify, like I said, Lawrence is in his own tier. Fields is in his own tier. I would put Lance and, and Wilson kind of in that same tier of, of player. And then there's kind of that same building block of Mac Jones is kind of by himself. And, and, and how I would describe him. And I, I've seen the comp of Kirk Cousins for him, which I kind of see. I, I, I kind of see like a little bit of his teammate from last year in him and Tua Tagovailoa. I kind of see some Joe Burrow. like, And I, I just – I don't think he's as good as Burrow, but I do think he's better than Tua, all things being equal. But I, I'm just like kind of at this point where – everyone talks and raves about his processor and I do like his processor, but I think so much of what is enhanced to make his processing look good is he, how he identifies yeah. the matchups. He's a really good pre pre snap ma- matchup finder, I guess is the best way to put it. Like <laughs> he, he, he can identify what he sees. He trusts what he sees and he makes a decision based off of what he sees. Like, and it's, it's, it's something that's very hard to teach but he does have a very big limit on his physical limitations. And I'll let you touch on some of those. Yeah. With Mac Jones, I agree. The arm strength is good, but not great. Athleticism is good, but not great. I I just feel like in those huge proponents of the game, I think that he's average and absolutely. I feel like, the ability to process, make those pre-snap reads, those post-snap reads, you know, looking past your first target and being able to scan the field like that. I feel like that's very important, obviously. I mean, we've seen guys who have, you know, flamed out of the league. Just look at Dwayne Haskins, who, you know, had a nice arm. He had that talent to work with, but, you know, couldn't Man, put it together. I, from I, a, I had Dwayne Haskins quarterback, too, in his draft. Yeah. And just – I kind of understand what happened. But he honestly reminded me of what what Jared Goff was coming out of uh, Cal, like yeah, a little bit like that in that vein, and just obviously it just never came together. So yeah. not to get sidetracked, I just uh, no. I know I, I I just heard that and I was just like, man, that kind of that kind of tugged at me a little bit because I thought I thought Dwayne Haskins was going to be a really good NFL quarterback. Yeah, me too. I mean. And that sucks because it might not even make the Steelers roster because you got like Mason Rudolph and Josh Dobbs sitting behind Big Ben. So there's no guarantee. The astrophysicist or whatever he is. Yeah. I mean, I guess that kind of, I mean, what I I don't really know what else to say. The one thing I would like to point out about Mac is, and it's kind of become the in vogue thing to point out. um, He's really really good with anticipatory throws. He puts the ball where it needs to be. He throws his guys open, which, I mean, you could make the counter argument of, yeah, he's throwing to Waddle and he's throwing to guys like Ruggs and Devontae Smith last year and this coupled with this year. I get it. I do. But you still have to put those guys in that, those positions, and he's never really putting guys in the position where they're going to get hurt. Yeah. And, he's, and he is very accurate deep downfield, and that's probably due, due to his – post or his pre-snap reads like he sees it all right he knows he's going to go deep with it and i and i did hear that i did read this rather that uh he had the highest completion percentage of 
throws downfield of 25 yards or more of any quarterback in this class. So he can yeah. put the ball deep, but it's all it's for different reasons than guys like Lance and Wilson and and Trevor Lawrence. It's because he's he just does it a different way. <clears throat> yeah, and I uh, think with – Go ahead. Uh, Sorry. I, I was just in here. Yeah. Yeah, no worries. Uh, I saw something on Twitter that I wanted to point out that kind of leads to my concerns with Mac Jones. Uh, I mean, obviously he's an incredibly accurate thrower of the football. I mean, you mentioned his ability to throw the ball downfield with incredible touch and that anticipation uh, in leading his guys open and, you know, reading a defense pre-snap. I like that a lot, but looking at the quarterbacks in today's NFL, how many of them have like those truly elite physical talents? Like Patrick Mahomes is, you know, one of the greatest arms we've ever seen. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, incredible arm. Josh Allen, incredible arm. Deshaun Kyle. Watson's, you know, a good arm and athletic. Kyle uh, is, a, is a got a tremendous arm. Yeah. I think that kind of goes yeah. like people see the size and they almost forget sometimes how the, the little hand cannon that he has strapped to that right side of his. Yeah, he's got a cannon. I still don't think – yeah, I don't think he gets enough credit for his arm strength. Uh, and then looking like Lamar Jackson, good arm, insane athlete. Like, And then you've got your outliers. Russell Wilson, another one, very good athlete, strong awesome, arm still. Good even arm. Though, yeah. You mean, yeah. Yeah. It's, just – it's wild yeah, so, to me. Yeah. So many of them either have an elite arm, elite athletic ability, or both or some blend of those two being very good. You have your outliers like, you know, Tom Brady, obviously, or like a Matt Ryan, but – or yeah. even Peyton Manning like years ago. But you're comparing them to, you know, Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time, Peyton Manning, <laughs> one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. If Mac Jones is going to be in that upper echelon of guys who can consistently lead your team, if not to the Super Bowl, then deep into the playoffs, he's going to have to make a huge – step up in terms of mental ability and that's not you know mental awareness and that uh you know just overall decision making I think is a strength of his but he's gonna have to be elite at it if he's gonna be a franchise quarterback in the NFL and I think that he's the type of guy and you know feel free to let me know if you disagree with Mm -hmm. this I feel like Mac Jones is the type of guy where you draft him in the first round you pick up his fifth year option sign him to an extension but after year two or year three, you're looking to move on from him. I think that's what you're getting with him. I, I could totally see that. I, I think he's win with, not yeah. because of. And yeah. that's where I keep I, – I, as much as I want to disagree with the Kirk Cousins comp, it's kind of like where you, where you start getting there and you're like, it's hard to disagree. So, as I'm sure some of our listeners know, I was a personal trainer. I have a degree in, you know, exercise science, whatever from – but – his body offends me. Like, <laughs> I'm in by no mean the best shape at all. You know, I take care of myself as best I can with the time I have, but good golly, dude, you are a roly poly quarterback. It, <laughs> like, and, and that bugs me to an extent because you're supposed to be a pro athlete. Now I get it. Not every pro athlete looks like, Trey Lance or Justin Fields who look like they were created in a lab, but that's something that bugs me about him. I do kind of agree with you. I don't think he's going to wash out of the league or anything. I think he's going to be solid for a long time, but you know, here we are where it is. It's, 
I, I think we've just gotten to a point now where with him, it's, it's kind of like the same thing with fields in its own way where people are trying to justify him going that high to the alleged uh, 49ers rumor. And, yeah. and there, there's just no good way to justify it because I was one of the first people on the Mac Jones bandwagon saying, Hey, this kid is a first round pick. You can attest to that, Jacob. I was DMing you. Like, yeah. I think this kid from Alabama is going to the first <laughs> round and everyone's like, no, he's like third round at best. So I'm like, I don't think so. Like if you liked, yeah. if you liked what Tua did in that offense, and you like what Burrow did in his offense under Joe Brady, you kind of got to like what, what he's doing down there in Alabama right now. <laughs> Does he leave some traits to be desired? Absolutely. But uh, I don't know. I just, I don't get the top 10 hype. He's like, I think his absolute ceiling should be like number 15. And that's not just because of the Patriots, but that, because that's like the, the midway point of the first round. Yeah. Like that's just where I think I see him as the best value. I don't like him. <laughs> going number three to, to San Francisco, <laughs> but I think that covers enough for I the top. I thought you were going to pause there. Yeah, I, I think that though kind of. I, I thought you were going to pause there and say I don't like him at all. I thought you were just going to say I don't <laughs> like him, and then just leave it at that, and then be like, oh, anyway, uh, Davis Mills. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's more um, time that we maybe take a quick break here. Um, we'll come back after our word from our sponsors, but, uh, we need to get into the middle tier guys of the second, third, fourth rounders, and just make sure we touch on those guys before we get too far ahead of ourselves and forget about our lovely sponsors. And we're back. So we're back to talk about the middle tier guys. I mentioned the name Jamie Newman a little bit ago, but we're, we'll get to him in a little bit. Um, so I guess in that same work with the stick with the tears of the clouds, there's those people that are similar to, I don't know. uh, There's two players that are in a similar ranking, but for different reasons, which is Kellen Mond and Davis Mills. One is a four year starter. I think he just turned 21 years old in Kellen Mond, but has question marks about consistency for reasons of, He's got so much experience, but he never really developed. And then there's the other way where Davis Mills was one of the highest rated pro prospects coming out of his class. Didn't really start only through like seven touchdowns last year, but now he's being, I've seen him mocked as high as like the 31st or 32nd pick as on, on, for trade up. And I just don't quite get that one either. So I guess, give me your quick breakdown, I guess, of each, each of those two players. Yeah, so I, I've been on record for saying that I think you either take a QB in round one or you don't take him until day three. That That's just my personal opinion on it. I mean, I know people disagree with me uh, whether they say, oh, this guy, he might be raw, but he's got talent, uh, and you can take him into the second round, or I really value the backup quarterback position, which is all fine and good. And if that's truly how you feel about it, then you can, you know, I can see warranting saying I'll take a quarterback in round two or three and then having him as a high-end backup because I value that position. But if you're looking for a starter, which I feel like, you know, some teams around that range would be, like maybe Washington that could take him, or either one of those guys or Chicago maybe, uh, you're looking as the potential starter down the line, and I just don't see it. I think that Davis Mills is accurate and he has a solid arm. I feel like 
it's been weird because I've seen people like flip flopping where some people say, oh, I think Davis Mills has a good arm. Others say, I don't think he has a great arm. I think he has a solid arm. It's not elite, but I think it's good. I think it's passable. And I think he can stretch the field well. He's got good flashes of that timing behind his throws, which I really like. He's also a fast guy. He's also fast. Like, he's not a, 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 a player that's going to evade people. But if you let him get ahead of steam built up, he can go in a straight line. Like, it's not like he's he, he's Kyle Trask or something, you know? Yeah, no. Like, Davis Mills, he, he, even though he's not – elite athletically he is solid and he doesn't get enough credit for that i definitely agree and then as for kellen Mond, though i i liked him a bit hold on sec i gotta sneeze there we go (laughs) (laughs) we're live we're live I was so worried. I was so worried that I wasn't going to sneeze and I was just going to pause for no reason. I <laughs> I got so terrified there for a second, but <sighs> I got to collect my thoughts here. Oh, Kellen Mond. <laughs> Kellen Mond, back to it. Yeah. <laughs> Kellen Mond, I think, you know, you touched on it. I definitely agree that he's so experienced and that's something I really like is how, you know, productive he was, how – he was able to, you know, start under center for as long as he has, and he's not like an old quarterback prospect like a Jamie Newman, who I think he's either 23 or 24. Uh, I don't know, but mm-hmm. regardless, Kellen Mond, he's still young, but I don't know exactly how much he's developed over the past few years. He's gotten a little bit better in some areas. I think he's a little bit more accurate when he makes those good throws, but again, that's still, you know, somewhat few and far between. I feel like it's either – He's right on the money or he's wildly inconsistent with his accuracy or his decision-making, his ability to read the field, uh, to stay tall in the pocket, and you know, not panic under pressure. I don't know. I think he's a guy I want to say I have an early round five grade on him. And I recognize that that's, you know, probably different from a decent amount of other people. It's different from you know, me by a, by a good shot. <laughs> but I mean, I also I don't make a secret of it. I like Kellen Mond a lot. Like yeah. I even was on our actual Bear our Bear centric podcast, The Rule of Three, and I had um said in that for like the mock draft bonanza that we had, but that that um I could theoretically see if they can't get up high enough, then moving back if possible, and just taking Mond with, like, the 30th pick from Buffalo, for instance, is, like, just a hypothetical for the situation. Not saying it's what I would do, but I could see a team doing that in in theory just to get that fifth-year option because the biggest market inefficiency in the NFL is the cost-controlled quarterback. And if you get one more year of being cost-controlled under him, that matters. Now, what am I saying I would do it in that position? No, I am not. Am I saying – that I'm advocating for the six quarterbacks in the first round, which has only happened one other time in NFL history, 1983 from Marino to from, from Elway to Marino and you know, that those guys, it, no, it doesn't happen, but I'm just saying I theoretically could see a situation in which it lines up. If things go a certain way, I have a, 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 a round three grade on Mond, And I think he's robotic. 
I think he tells himself to stay in the pocket a little too much because he wants to avoid the stereotype of being the athletic quarterback who runs too much. I think he almost, I think he is analyzing more than he is playing sometimes, AKA thinking instead of doing, but I see the physical nature of it. He's, big he's strong he's fast he's got a really good arm when he decides to uncork it he's got a lot to like and i really like his age i think he's only 21 like i said but there's just something about the fact that he never took that leap mac jones took the leap uh kyle trask took a leap all these quarterbacks took a leap. And I'm not saying he that Kyle Trask is a better prospect by any stretch. I'm just saying there was a leap you could point to where you're like, oh, the light bulb went off. Kellen Mond is really the case of steady incremental linear process. But I don't know how that plays. And that's worrisome to me. So that's basically my, my take on him. Yeah, and – I did double check. He's still 21 years old. Uh, He'll turn 22 his rookie year, but again, you know, still very young for a rookie quarterback. And a guy who started four years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you don't see that. Normally a guy who started for that long is, you know, 23 or even whatever, 24, something like that. But again, to that point, you mentioned about slight improvement year after year, like, sure he's gotten better. I do feel like watching him in 2020, he was better than he was in 2019. And, you know, going back for that senior season, I think was very smart on his part, but I'm just not all that. And I, sold and I under- as a starter. And I understand that Jacob, I guess I just see more upside in him than a lot of other guys. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, I'm not denying the physical talent that he has because I think he has a good arm. Uh, you know, we saw it as pro day. Obviously, I'm not going to say the pro day is end all be all because the arms, the arm strength showed up on tape as well. Uh, and, and, well, the thing I guess that I see so much of, and it's like, I know I'm probably putting too much stock into one game, but when you watched him just destroy Alabama, it was like that is that was the tantalization of it. But then you go and watch other film, and he's just maddeningly inconsistent. Hell, in the Alabama game, he had bouts of inconsistency within the greatness of it. So, that being said, I think we've talked enough about Kellen Mond because I just (laughs) don't know how what else to say about him because he's got traits. He's been a good foot. He's been a starter for four years. He's still young, but he's he leaves some to be desired in that regard. So, I guess those are the two big ones you see consistently going in round two. I guess we'll move on to the name I mentioned a little bit ago when we brought up Davis Mills, and that's Kyle Trask. And for some reason, I had heard people putting him in the bottom of the first round at certain points during the year, and and even in round two. I never really saw that. I, I could buy round three, but you kind of alluded to it earlier, Jacob. In today's NFL, you got to be able to move a little bit. And Kyle Trask yeah. is a – statue he doesn't go anywhere like it when he's in the pocket that's where he's at and like in today's nfl with especially with the interior pass rusher becoming a much more dominant focal point of defenses you can't be that guy 
where you're just standing down, standing back there like Zeus on Mount Olympus trying to drop thunderbolts on people. Like you have yeah. to be able to, you have to be able to, to move and trask as cement feet, cinder block feet, steel feet, whatever you want to call it. Like he, he's got heavy feet. So I don't know. I, and I think for a guy that has so many limitations athletically, he doesn't have the arm to justify it. Yeah. Like he just la- he just lacks a lot. And I know it sounds like I'm taking a dump on Kyle Trask, but what I will say is, and I think it's a good bet, if there's anyone in this class that I would f- feel comfortable putting money on to just absolutely – fulfill every ounce of his physical talent and his gifts and maybe outperform what he's given. It's him because of his, his background. He was, he wasn't even a starter in in high school. He walked onto Florida state. He made himself into what he is and he became a Heisman contender. It's hard to argue with that because that that's a mindset. That's a worker, someone who's going to make themselves into something, but I guess at the same time, you could say he's maxed himself out already. But that's a, a different discussion, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think that Kyle Trask, he fits that kind of mold of big-bodied, immobile quarterback who I think is a backup in today's NFL. He's, you know, a Brock Osweiler. He's a Brandon Whedon. He's a Nick Foles even in that. He's, he's big, slow, unathletic white quarterback who can't move. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't want to say it like that, but you're, you're right. That's exactly what I'm getting at. I mean, and, and I do agree that I think Kyle Trask is getting a little too much hate. Like, obviously, he's not a first-round talent, and I wouldn't draft him with the expectation of saying, oh, this guy's going to be our starter in the future. Uh, but I do think that his – Subpar close to the 2020 season aside, he was even a front runner at one point for the Heisman Trophy Mm -hmm. uh, in like that October, November range. And he played really good football. I think he's an accurate thrower of the ball. He has incredible size, just a thick build, and he's tough in the pocket. Uh, And he's shown, you know, promise in terms of that timing and anticipating his guys open. I I, I don't think that he's going to be much more than you know, a high-end backup in the league, which has its value. Yeah, that's a guy who, who lasts forever. Look at Chase Daniel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the type of guy, you know, that like a Mason Rudolph could be in, you know, once his contract with the Steelers expires. Someone who's, you know, bounces around, has a starting experience. You can start him for a little bit in relief for a player if you want to. He'll never be that guy, which – if you have those expectations for Kyle Trask, I think he can be a, a actually a pretty good value in like that round four, round five range. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess you then we will move on to another guy that was alluded to already. Um, we, we brought up Jamie Newman in terms of, oh, well, I brought him up in terms of his arm strength because I think he's got a really good arm. Yeah. But – Wake Forest Demon Deacon. I, I'm not gonna ever say he went to Georgia. He never played a snap for him. He's a he's a Demon Deacon. Damn it! You you you, <laughs> you put respect on that school. But um, I think the physical ability is undeniable. But I also think the inconsistencies are undeniable. Where you could go 
virtually snap to snap and have him making the same throw to the same player and the throw will be two different ways. And it's completely wild to watch. I do think he's wired right. I've heard, I've read that he's a great kid and it wants to be better and wants to be really good. And I really wish I would have seen him play at Georgia, even though I joked about he's not a bulldog to me. He's a demon deacon. Yeah. But I'm just remiss to say, like, to use the old uh, descriptor of um, the NBA draft talent from a couple years ago. He's like two years away from being two years away. I think he needs some yeah. time. Like you got to really be patient with him. But if he if it, if the light bulb goes click for a team who's willing to wait that one or two years before he's willing to ready to play, you might be rewarded. Now, do I think it's likely? No, probably not. How many guys drafted? And I think I have around four on Newman, round four or five. But how okay. many round four or five guys go on to become starting quarterbacks in the NFL? Very few. Very few, exactly. So I like him. I I really would like to see him maybe end up in Carolina under Joe Brady or San Francisco would make a lot of sense, but Kyle Shanahan makes sense for literally every quarterback ever made. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's – there's just certain people I would like to see him play under. Arthur Smith would make some sense in Atlanta. Uh, Brian Dabble, and once he gets his head coaching job somewhere, would make a lot of sense. Who someone who utilizes yeah. you know, bigger, thicker, big armed, athletic quarterbacks, and that's what Jamie Newman is. He's just raw. And before I give my spiel here on Newman, I want to give you a quick quiz. Who was the prospect that was referred to in the NBA draft as two years away from being two years away? Oh, my God. He was a grizzly. <laughs> he was. <laughs> what is his damn name? <laughs> Bruno, Bruno Caboclo. Yep. I did it. We Woo! got a winner. <laughs> there we go. I am. Man. <laughs> I don't know where I pulled that out of from, but there we go. <laughs> and you've gotten the, the, the Lunch Pail Draftcast NBA talk for the day. Go ahead and break down Jamie Newman for me, Jacob, in for the today. <laughs> I don't think there's any other NFL draft podcast that's made a reference to Bruno Caboclo in this pre-draft process. So I'm, I'm pretty proud of us right now. Not going to lie. <laughs> that's oh, awesome. Christ. <laughs> that's See, you're awesome. not getting this anywhere else, but <laughs> this is why they pay us nothing, you know? Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, as for Jamie Newman, as I'm trying to, you know, get my, you know, collect my thoughts here and not giggle like a schoolgirl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, we got to have some decorum here, some professionalism. We are, in fact, you know, blogger boys. A lot of a firefighter, Jesus. <laughs> professionalism, <laughs> not being a child at all points of the day. Oh boy. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. And I, I tweeted, I climbed a tree today. I climbed a tree today. You're goddamn right. You climbed a tree. <laughs> I Go did get him, Jacob. I'm a damn adult. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh boy. All right. Jamie Newman for the third All time. Right. Okay. All right. So Jamie Newman. Oh, damn. It's that, it's that snap to snap inconsistency for me. I feel like he's a strong armed guy, very clearly well built. 
very athletic. I feel like he's one of – he doesn't get enough credit for his ability to run. I feel like not only is he good in a straight line, but he's also mobile and he can run you over as well. So I'm a huge fan of what he brings to the table there. Uh, and the pure arm talent, uh, I'm a big fan of. I really – I really like the uh, a lot of the scheme fits that you mentioned for him, you know, like a Brian Dabbler, especially uh, that stands out to me wherever he ends up becoming a head coach, Arthur Smith, just guys that use the bigger body type of, you know, athletic specimen type of quarterback. So the question is, is he consistent enough to develop into anything, which I feel like there have been flashes He's shown good deep ball accuracy. He's shown the ability to stretch the field, but not until he has a couple of stinkers as well. Not until he forces throws to the first read and makes some questionable decisions. Absolutely. And it's almost what makes you wish he would have played this year in Georgia. Absolutely. I mean, we saw that, you know, that Georgia team in the first couple of weeks when JT Daniels wasn't eligible. I mean, just imagine – I think it was like Stetson Bennett was the starter there. And yeah. there's another guy who started there for a couple of days whose name Stetson weeks or whatever. Bennett. Just yeah. On the radar I, of guys who will never be in the NFL. Yeah. Shout, no. out, shout out Stetson Bennett. Watch him. Make, <laughs> hey, Stetson, if you're listening, I hope you make me eat my words. Because like every evaluator, I don't really want to ever see any of these kids fail. I don't. I, I want them to all succeed. But the, nature of the draft is they don't so exactly like i'd i'd much rather be wrong on thinking oh this prospect's gonna bust out than say oh haha i got you right uh so and so you know was a first round pick and he sucked just because like i don't i don't i'm not rooting for these guys to fail and i feel like that's something that a lot of people misconstrue about you know just draft evaluators in general like a vast majority of us. Sure. There are some people who are petty in that regard. And they're like, Oh, I want to be right at any cost. Oh, Oh, you, you just set me up here. So petty. Can we call them Bryce? Ah, Oh, I wish (laughs) I had a drum set. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, Before we move into some late round undrafted guys that we could talk about for a few minutes, um, let's get that final word in from our sponsors and um, we'll, we'll be right back. Back for the final time of the quarterback Bonanza episode. Um, we've covered a lot of the mid round guys. The, the, we covered all the first round prospects. I guess that just leaves some of the remaining late round guys. Well, so let's each do a, a late round guy or, Two, and then we'll throw in one undrafted guy that might just be worth your salt and your time. So I'll let you start it off because I kind of know who I want to pick, but I can certainly pivot if you pick one of the one or two guys I have listed here in front of me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and there are two guys in particular that I do like as those late round quarterbacks, but I'm not going to go too deep into them in case, you know, one of them happens to be your guy. So the first guy I want to mention is uh, Sam Ellinger out of Texas. Was not one of mine. So go as deep as you want. There we go. All right. So he's very clearly going to be a backup in the NFL. He's not the type of guy who can, you can project him as a starter. If he becomes a starter, you know, that's great. And, you know, I'm rooting for him to, you know, defy that. But I do feel like he's very strongly a backup at the next level. But he's fun to watch, man. Like just from, like not even just an evaluator perspective, but just as a fan of football. 
I love the toughness and the moxie with which he plays the game. Uh, the leadership grindy. that he shows. Yeah. Gritty. So grindy. Grindy. Whatever, however you want to put it. Uh, he's. Now we're going back you know, to the. He's, just go listen to our Patty Fisher stuff. All those words that we use to describe Patty Fisher, that's Sam Ellinger. <laughs> exactly. To a T. He is literally the exact same guy, just a different position. Uh, but he, yeah, he's, he's tough. I feel like he's mechanically sound. Uh, he's shown some potential in terms of accuracy. He's an incredible leader, an incredible guy. Uh, is, does he have the strongest arm? No, he doesn't. He's, you know, thickly built, but he does, he doesn't have elite height in terms of that projectability, moldability, whatever have you. Athleticism, pretty average. So the ceiling is capped with him, but I think if you're looking for a backup in like round six, maybe, I feel like I might not be a long-term starter, visible spot starter at the next level. Mm-hmm. Looking at like a Case Keenum, the type of guy who's, you know, productive at the collegiate level, doesn't have super translatable traits, but d- puts together a solid career for himself. I could see Ellinger taking that route. And if you're telling me I can get one of those guys in like round you know, six or so, I'd take that if I were, you know, an NFL team looking for a backup. So yeah. he's a guy that I like. Again, no, no one I'm going to, you know, go out of my way to like trade up for anything. But if he's there, like I'll take a shot on him. Yeah, you know, I kind of actually like the idea, and I know it's become super in vogue to say everyone can be Taysom Hill. But I actually legitimately believe, given the build that Sam Ellinger has, like he's, he's above 220, 6'2". He's a really good athlete. I wouldn't be opposed to a team maybe trying him out a little bit and just because, like you said, the moxie he plays with, he's not afraid to run. He's not afraid to put his body on the line. I wouldn't be opposed to a team maybe trying to get him involved once he's comfortable with knowing the offensive sets and everything. Just trying to get him involved a little bit because he is someone that with the balls in his hands and he runs, things can happen. He's by no means electric, but he, he, can, he can do good things for a football team that aren't just being a backup quarterback. Yeah. I mean, and I have, I have a friend actually that I've been, you know, talking to about Sam Ellinger and he's told me straight up that he's going to be a tight end of the next level, which to an extent, like I can see, I mean, obviously I think he's a quarterback, but utilizing him in that Taysom Hill role, I can see. And again, I say that he's average in terms of athleticism, I don't, I'm not saying he's bad in that regard. I feel like there's some juice to him. He's got lower body explosiveness. I almost feel like he's better in a straight line than he is mobile, which when he gets out in the open field, he can, you know, do some stuff, but he's not really going to make too many guys miss. So that's just the way I see it with him. Uh, So just, you know, prefacing that, I feel like that could be a role for him, but if not, I still like him quite a bit as a backup. Sure. Well, I'll go to the other – I'll go to my guy now who – it's hard to not like what you see physically from him because it's just so damn impressive. Just like height, weight, speed, the arm is – I don't think it's as great as some people would say, but it's really good, and that's Felipe Franks from Arkansas. Yeah. He, he was at – I believe he was at uh, Florida for a time. Yeah. 
and he, he just he leaves so much to be desired because you can see the physical gifts on tape but his release points all over the place he's got that high three quarters but it's not always there because he's a baseball player by trade initially his feet are all over the place he's all over the place like he's almost got scatterbrain on the field like it's funny as hell to watch because it's almost like he's trying to do too much but he just i feel like if you <laughs> He, yeah. I don't think he ever starts, but I think he is a lottery ticket where if you think you have, say, three years left with your aging starting quarterback and you just want to throw him back there and just develop for three years and just see if he plays in spot duty and if he's worth keeping around, that's what I think he is. I think that he's just so tantalizing physically because he is a good athlete. He does have the good arm. He's big. He's strong. He's fast. And then you go watch the tape and you're like, what the hell yeah, is like going on? What the hell is going on? <laughs> and that's where I'm at with him. He's my late round guy. The other name I was going to bring up is, yeah. um, is Ian Book. So I'd be remiss if I didn't bring him up. Shout out to my, <laughs> my pops. He, I think he went from – I would, here. Yeah, and touching on Felipe Franks, I promise I'm not advocating, oh, every single mid-round, late-round quarterback needs to be moved to tight end. Not at all. Uh, I just – it popped in my head. I'm on a, the Relative Athletic Score website right now. Felipe Franks has a 9.56 as a quarterback, which is, you know, incredible. If, if I change his position to tight end, he's still at an 8.19, which is in that, like, upper echelon of tight end prospects. Obviously – you know, weight holding him back because uh, he's not as big as a traditional tight end. But still, I'm just throwing that out there because we've seen that with, you know, guys like Logan Thomas. Uh, we're seeing that with Tyree Jackson now, you know, yep. former quarterbacks who fit that big bodied, athletic, strong arm mold who got moved to tight end. But with Franks, I mean, there's stuff to like about him. I don't know if he's ever going to develop and reach his full potential, but there is definitely stuff to like about him. I think that the arm strength is apparent. The velocity he delivers behind his throws are impressive. You know, good athlete. He's got a great build. He's massive. He's like 6'6". There are a lot of tools to work with, but, man, it's just so erratic. I think deep ball placement is, you know, so hit or miss. Mechanics aren't necessarily great. I feel like his, uh, his release could be a little bit quicker. And I think he can be a little bit tardy in terms of his ability to, you know, go through progressions and uh, look past the first read and find the open man if it's a check down or a different part of the field, whatnot. Uh, but man, he's, he is frustrating to watch just because of how good he can be if he puts it all together. And again, I don't know if he ever will, but if he does, then that's a really good investment for a team in like round six, round seven or so. Just a guy with that physical upside, I think it's worth a shot, even if his tape isn't necessarily the greatest. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, so moving on to the other uh, late-round draftable grade I have is I'd be remiss if I don't bring up Ian Book. I, I come from a family of Notre Dame fans, so I've watched a lot of Notre Dame. And Ian Book was last year a player I just thought was not worth anything in terms of his uh, draft ability. He returned for his senior year, and I think he actually got better. 
Now, I don't think he's anything more than a clipboard holder at the next level, yeah. but I like his athleticism. I like that he he wins. He he really is someone I think just matters in in the locker room because I think he would be good to be in the quarterback room in terms of what he understands because he's a smart player. He does he does like tend to let uh, rely on his his uh, athleticism a little too much, but I don't think he's like ridiculous. Reminds I, I guess if I had to give you a name, smart but erratic. Maybe a little like Trace McSorley coming out of Penn State. Okay. Am I off base there? I don't know. But that's kind of who I see. I think he's fun. He's I believe he's the winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history, which I know we that we talked about a little bit earlier. It's a bit of an archaic stat, but it's something I think matters a little bit. And I think a team might do well to have him in their quarterback room going forward. I don't think he's like I said. I don't. I don't think he's anything more than a clipboard holder. But I do. I do like that he went from a guy I would never have considered wasting a sixth or seventh round pick on to someone I could totally see using a late six on and being like, you know what, screw it. He's worth it because he, he he's got something to him that I think may help out a quarterback room, for lack of a better term. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I feel like Ian Book is the type of guy you can use like a seventh round pick on or so maybe sixth if you truly want to get, you know, like secure that backup option. Someone who is, you know, definitely athletic. I feel like he, once he gets out in the open field, he accelerates well, he's got pretty dang good mobility uh, for the quarterback position as well. And obviously he's a winner. He's a three-year starter at the collegiate level, if I'm not mistaken. Now that I think about it, he's kind of just smaller Sam Ellinger. If yeah. you really think about it, like uh, I'm not saying he has like the physical trait. Ellinger's got a better arm book book is just like a bit like him in that same vein of when he brings probably something to your quarterback room. I don't want to ever see him in the role of Taysom Hill. He's not built enough for that, but I think he just, like I said, I think he offers something to a team beyond what his measurables and his, his production would indicate. That's all. Yeah. I'm with you there. And is he ever going to be like a starter? I don't think so. Is he ever going to be like an elite back backup? I'm not so sure. I really like the Trace McSorley comparison for him, honestly, because I saw a lot of the same things. Uh, physical limitations in terms of arm talent and size, but both athletic, both tough, both productive winners. There's, you know, there's stuff to like with Ian Book as a late round prospect. And I feel like if you have your expectations set, okay, this guy, he's going to be, you know, a backup option, a solid athlete. You can put him in at starter and not say, oh, you know, we're going to be totally screwed. Right. And I feel like that's – if you can get that that late in day three, I feel like that's a solid investment. And I definitely agree. I feel like some team's going to be willing to give him a shot with a late-round pick. For sure. And we are now into our final stretch of quarterback, which I'm. we talked pre-show about it. It's it, – I'm so over the quarterback talk, but we just decided we needed to give you guys this. Whether you wanted it or not, I don't care. You needed it. <laughs> um, We're but, shoving it down your throats right now. You're eating yeah, it and you're going to like it. Pause. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> not like that. Not um, like that, I promise. That would be um, a bad look. Now, he, oh. who is, I guess – you know he probably isn't in the league. He might be out. He might make a practice squad or something or 
float around the NFL for a few years as a QB three, but who is that guy? You just enjoy watching. Like you can't help it. He's a guilty pleasure. You know, he's tiny. His arm probably sucks. He just isn't that great, but you just can't get enough of him. Yeah. Um, I've got a guy in mind. I feel like we have talked a little bit about him when we were doing our uh, our locker room stream. I mm-hmm. like Zach Thomas out of Appalachian yeah. State. Yeah, we're, I, I I I was gonna say I think I do remember you bringing bringing him up. So I'm yeah. not gonna go. I'm no, not. Go gonna ahead. Go, go ahead. I, I've got another name. It's fine. <laughs> it's All right. Fine. So yeah, I mean Zach Thomas. He's small. Like he's a hair under six foot one. He's two oh five. Uh, he doesn't meet that nine inch hand criterion that a lot of, you know, scouts look at and say, Oh, he's got tiny hands, but he's athletic. I think he's one of the better athletes at this quarterback position. Uh, I like the ability he brings as a dual threat guy. I think he's shown some promise in accuracy. Now, is he the type of guy I want to consistently stretch the field on a deep ball? Maybe not, but unlike those intermediate throws and his ability to throw across the middle of the field, like, I liked what I saw from him, especially for a guy who's little to no draft buzz at this point. I, I came away more impressed than I was expecting when I watched him. I think it was in North Texas was the first game that I watched of his that really got me onto the rate is uh, that got him on my radar. And I feel like he's the type of guy you can utilize him on play actions on bootlegs. Cause he can throw well on the run. Like his feet don't necessarily have to be set for him to deliver an accurate ball. And again, you know, not the strongest arm in the world. He's small. Uh, and I feel like he can force his throws and, you know, force his first read a bit too often. But if you can get a solid backup option, I don't think you'll get drafted. But I feel like you could be a solid investment as a priority free mm-hmm. agent. Absolutely. Yeah. So I agree with you. Zach Thomas was the one I was going to go into, but I got another one. I Believe me, you watch enough tape, Jacob. You know as well as I do. When someone takes the guy you want to talk about, you can pivot pretty easily. Yeah. And the other name is he was a pretty highly touted recruit coming out in 2015. So think about that. He's a little older now. He started out at Arizona State. I believe he was the number two pro-style quarterback in his class. So there's some stuff there in terms of pedigree to like. He And he was number two to Josh Rosen. So I'm not sure if you know where I'm going with this, but – he transferred to Memphis and that's Brady white. Okay. So Brady white is maybe all, all, all six, one, maybe six, two. Um, he, he leaves a little bit to be desired as a lot of quarterbacks will in this range of his athleticism, arm talent, but he's a gamer. He like, which is just a really nice way of saying he tries really, really hard. Um, <laughs> just uh, like us. Yes. He see, friend of the show, <laughs> Brady white. Let's go. Um, but what I'm trying to think of a way to compare him. Cause he's not quite as touted and polished as I was, I would say Jake Fromm was coming out last year, but I will go to another Georgia quarterback from a few years back. Aaron Murray is who I kind of okay. get vibes of when I watch him. When he's in rhythm, when he's given, when he, when he's just, when he's just doing the old play and catch thing and not thinking too much, he 
is really kind of good. I, I like him purely as like a West Coast, like short to intermediate thrower. I don't want him throwing downfield. He doesn't have the arm. I really don't want him under pressure because he doesn't move well and he doesn't seem to handle pressure that well. Yeah. But he, and he doesn't really make a lot of he for a guy who has the limitations. He, I'm looking at it now. He threw 30 interceptions over his final 39 starts in that Memphis offense. And mind you, we've already talked about it. they've had Tony Pollard in his time. They've had they've had uh, Darrell Henderson. They had uh, Antonio Gibson. They now have have uh, Gainwell coming out this year. He's had help. It's not like he just was carrying a bunch of bums in Memphis on offense. But he is a strictly structure, old school West Coast quarterback, limited athlete. But I I enjoy the 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 way he plays the game. He he's got really clean mechanics. He when he's right and he's playing in rhythm and he's playing within the flow, he can do some stuff. I, I don't think he's anything more than a camp arm, and I think he might float around if he cleans up his decision making a little bit because he is so technically sound. There's nothing really wrong when I watch his delivery or his footwork or anything, but he just lacks a lot in terms of his decision-making for his lack of physical traits as evident by the 30 interceptions in his final 39 starts. But I really think he's just an an enjoyable watch, which is exactly what I asked you when you brought up Zach Thomas. So that's just that. I think that concludes the quarterback episode. Jacob, what do you think? Yeah, I feel like we've done a good job here. Obviously people have been talking about the QBs to death at this point and uh, I, I do feel like we did a good job of, you know, breaking down a lot of those top guys. I, I can look back at this and I can feel pretty proud of where we're at right now. And actually, I have my rankings pulled up right now. We talked about every single one of my top 14 quarterbacks. Look at that. And that was completely oops. We did exactly. not mean to do that. Yeah, that was totally <laughs> like more not necessarily on accident but what a coincidence like that worked out perfectly awesome well jacob why don't you do go ahead and do the shameless plugs do all righty so here we go my favorite part where i get to talk about me uh (laughs) that's not not even close to true i hate talking about myself but here we are we are doing some cheap plugs here you can follow me on twitter at Jacob Infante 24. Uh, you can check out my stuff here at Windy City Gridiron as well as at the Draft Wire. Uh, and check out my draft guide. It's on Patreon. The draft's coming up. If you want any last minute way to prepare, uh, check me out on Patreon. I've got my whole big board of scouting reports, uh, seven round mock draft, all that fun stuff. So, yeah, that, and obviously you can listen to me here at the Lunch Pail Draftcast, as well as uh, my own, my radio stuff that I do here at the University of Missouri. All right. Well, thanks for doing the shameless plug stuff that we're, you know, obligated to do. Once again, (laughs) you can find my stuff with the rule of three or right here on the Lunch Pail Draft class. Draft cast i'm just gonna i'm just gonna throw myself <laughs> off a bridge at this point you can find me here on the rule of three or the lunch pail draft cast uh here on the windy city podcast network um we're doing we're, we're chugging i know jacob's burnt out i'm burnt out 
at a certain point you can only watch so much film before you just want to throw your computer across the room and you're like hey i'm done i can't do this anymore <laughs> <laughs> but we're in the home stretch we got one more episode after the quarterback episodes coming to you and then we'll have some live breakdowns of the bears picks with one robert k schmitz from the windy city gridiron but Thank you, Mr. Lead Windy City Gridiron Draft Analyst, Jacob Infante. I, I appreciate <laughs> you joining me as always. Thank you very much, Dan Meehan. It was an absolute <laughs> pleasure. <laughs> All right. Stay safe, everybody.